We're going to be looking today at three things in light of the things that we shared last week, in light of the things that we shared the last time we preached before upon the evil of the neglect of souls. And what we're going to do today is be looking at, by way of examination, at what's been said. We're going, there's going to be self-examination. There's going to be reproof very shortly. And at the end of the day, if God allows us time and is willing, we're going to uh, try to exhort you to walk in the things that God shows us as truth here this morning. And so we are today looking for ways that we might bring improvements or we're asking ourselves the question, is there any improvements that we are to make in light of everything that was said last week that the Holy Spirit revealed to us from Scripture? I hope you haven't already forgotten that you haven't already forgotten everything that was said last week. That's my prayer. But in light of the things we said, in light of what the Holy Spirit spoke to us of last night, this should cause very solemn and serious examination. It was not just 30 minutes or 45 minutes of time to be taken up. It was the Word of God. It's the foundation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, of which I'm not ashamed. And I'm very anxious for you to hear it. For it in it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, in order that those who believe it might live by faith, as we're called to live by faith. And so, in light of that, if you haven't already examined yourself, which I pray that you have, let me ask you and let you, and then you give me an answer. I don't want you to answer outwardly. But I want you to give an answer to my question inwardly. Do it in your conscience. Do it in your heart. Do it as before the Lord. It's God you're going to be speaking to as you answer this question. Don't lie to Him. Be faithful. Be truthful to your own soul when we ask questions like this. And the reason I'm saying this is because you need to remember that we will be examined shortly. I will, you will. I'm 73, may not be long. Maybe tomorrow, maybe 10 years, maybe 20. I don't know. That's a short time in the scheme of things. We will be examined shortly, and we will be examined in another manner by another examiner. The manner in which we might be, we will be examined will be something like this. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. Or you may hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of your Lord. Either way, we're going to be examined. And so we need to do this now that it may prevent the doing of it then maybe. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 31 says, If we judge ourselves truly or rightly in the New American Standard, truly in the ESV, then we should not be judged. 1 Corinthians 11.31 If we judge ourselves rightly, if we judge ourselves truly, and so the thing that we're asking about this morning is a very simple question. It is whether Jesus Christ is our all or not. 
our all in all or not? That's the question that's being asked. And so, the way we would know that, would we know it? The way you know that is just simply to look within. Be faithful, be honest, be truthful with your soul. You have, we need to look within and we ask this question as we look within. We ask ourselves, or I ask you, have you renounced all other things and received Him to be your all? This is something that must be. It's not something that can't be. It's something that must be. This is the order. This is the way it's laid down. This is the terms. We have no other remedy than the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no remedy if we look for any other. There is no remedy. We must seek another gospel if we're looking for another remedy than the remedy that has been supplied for us in the Scripture that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other remedy. None. And so, in light of that, we ask ourselves, is the renouncing act done? Have we truly renounced? Have you disowned? Have you disclaimed? Everything else. Saying these words, there is no portion for me in this. There's no propitiation. There's no rest for me here. And so I renounce the devil, I renounce the world, and I renounce the flesh. All my sins, all my self-righteousness, and all my worldly possessions, and I take Him only. Sound like a marital vow, doesn't it? Him only. To her only. I betrothed myself to Him only. To her only. And that's what it is. The vow of the bride to the church. To the to the Christ, to the bridegroom, I mean. This is something that you should have done. If you haven't done it, let me ask, ask you, how else, how else, how else can Christ be said to be our all? Our all. Yes. Is the receiving act done? Have you with your heart closed with the gospel Offer and take in Christ as your all. This is examination. According to 2 Corinthians 13, 5, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. Examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. And what is our faith in? Christ, the object of faith. He is our all in all. And so we can know if this is true in our life, in some simple ways. We can know by the value we put on Him and by the daily use we make of Him. And I'll explain the daily use part in just a second. Whatever we prize, whatever is uppermost, whatever we esteem above anything else, whatever it is, has the preeminence. What about you? Has he in all things the preeminence? Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. Colossians chapter 1, 
Verse 8 says this. I think it's 18. I'm sorry. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He is our all in all. Paul is asking or telling the people that this is something that must be in their life. And if we have claimed Christ to be our own, if Christ is our all in all, then we're going to begin to make statements like Paul is saying to the Colossians in chapter 3, finally getting to our text in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Are we seeking those things? Where Christ is. Where He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on earth. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. And on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these, once you walked, once you walked there when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, Obscene talk, put it all from you, from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old man with its practices and you've put on the new man, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And here there is no Greek, no Jew, no circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but here it is, Christ is all and in all. He is all in all. Put on then, let's read on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through Him. Christ is to be all in all. Is He your all? Has He all in all things the preeminent? 
He's taking preeminence in all these things that we're told that we should do or He should have. He deserves it. And it is the Father's will that He should have preeminence. John chapter 8, if you look there with me. Uh, John chapter 5, I'm sorry. John chapter 5. <clears throat> but you could read the whole chapter, but we're reading verses 22 through 23 in John chapter 5. The Father, John 5, 22 through 23, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may, listen, honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Are you honoring Him? Psalm chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 gives us this. Psalm 2, 10 through 12. Calling on the leaders of the earth to be wise here. O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Examine yourself here. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Verse 10. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son. Lest He be angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Kiss the Son. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. I would say to you. If He is not. Preeminent in these things that was described to us in what we've already read, especially in Colossians 3. If he isn't uppermost, if he isn't uppermost, he will be nothing. He will be on the throne or not at all. On the throne or not at all. You know the history of the church with the Romans. We talked about it a little bit in Sunday school with Nero and the persecution of, of the church. It was said that there was a motion made in the Senate at Rome that Jesus Christ be taken in among the rest of their gods. Put Him in their little hall of gods. And the answer was made very quickly from the Senate floor. No, we can't do that. Why? Because if He were one, He must be all. He won't just be one among a bunch. Just an add-on. He will be all. He will not partner with any. You are to have no other gods before Me. We are to know the one true God. And Jesus Christ whom He has sent. That is our eternal life, my friends. There's a lot of men that burned at the stake and burned in Nero's court, set on fire as torched to light up his circuit as he drove around in his chariot. Why? Because they would not say Caesar is Lord. Why? Because Caesar wasn't Lord. Jesus Christ was Lord to these people. Jesus alone is Lord. 
But I look around today and listen to people talk, and I see that from the low thoughts that many have of Christ, it's plain, it's plain by the testimony, by the life they're living, by their ideals of Christ, that He is far from being their all in all. Far from it. Far from it. Another way that we can see by looking inward whether He is our all in all is understanding that which is our all we make use of daily on all occasions. Daily. On all occasions. All day long. It's like it's like the relationship of a husband and a wife. A husband and a wife. Making daily use of each other. Now we don't like to think in terms of, well, he's using you and you're using him. But we do. We need to use each other. I, I, I need Raynette. I need to call on her. If I want anything, my trust is to her. If I look nice today, it's because of her. If I look bad tomorrow, you can depend on me for that. I trust her. I, we, she has things that she does in my life that I have to have her. And if I don't have her, my life is complete. My life is not whole. I call upon her. I trust in her. I rely upon her. And she relies upon me. I don't care what part of the house I've been in the kitchen and I walk to another room and we got a big house. Mott, 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 I need you to, can you reach this? She can't reach it. She needs some help. Mott, can you pick this up? It's too heavy. Yeah, well, it's getting worse too heavy for me, but I'll try to do it anyhow. I rely on her. She relies on me. I call on her all day long. And when she's not in the vicinity of where I am, I wish she was. I need her. It's that kind of relationship. One of trust and one of reliance. It's the same way. Christ is made use of daily by us, or He should be. Is He made use of daily by you? He would be. He will be. He will be. He will be bowed to His Lord. He is, my friend, my friends, daily our foundation to build on. He is daily our food to feed upon. Daily our drink to refresh ourselves upon. Daily, He is our refuge to flee to in different situations. Daily, He is our righteousness to rest in. How often do we need that? He is our wisdom to guide us. He is our way to walk in. Follow me, I'm the way. Our reliance is there. Our trust is there. He is our way to walk in. My friends, He is our temple to look toward when we pray. Solomon prayed that the people, wherever they were at, whatever they was doing when the temple was established, they would turn this way when they prayed so that they'd be praying toward the temple. Guess what that was pointing to? That was pointing to Christ. And He is our temple that we turn to today when we pray. He is the great intercessor in the holy temple of God in the heavens. We need Him daily. He is our ark. 
that we run to when the storm hits, when the deluge, the rain is about to cover us. He is our ark like Noah and his family went into right before the flood came. He is our ark that we run into. He is our altar to offer all our gifts on. He is. And if He isn't all this to us, who is? If He isn't all this to you, what is? Something is. Something is. If it's not Christ that you're all in all, if it's not Christ that is this to you, your trust, your reliance on, your strength, your satisfaction as we're going to see, something is, we've got to have it somewhere. It's all the same. Now this may be seem hard, but it is all the same to have no Christ as to make no use of Him. It's like you have no Christ when you make no use of Him. What a sad, sad thing. For the Christians say, I have Christ. Christ is my Lord. And make no use of Him. You can know if He is your all by your attitude or posture toward Him. Certain postures we take towards certain people. When the Arenet and I were a lot younger, before we were married, and even after, I took certain postures when I saw her coming, right? I mean, Ren, Bob, you did it too. <gasps> right? Certain attitudes, certain ways you clean up. There's a posture that you take. Whatever a man's all is, that's what he loves. That's what he delights in. That's what he's pleased with. That's what he's satisfied with. I'll say that again. Whatever a man's all is, that is what he loves and delights in. That's what he's pleased and satisfied with. The question is then, is it so with you toward Christ? We're examining, aren't we? Is it so with you toward Christ? Can you look at Psalm 73 verse 25 with me? Psalm 73, 25. Notice what's said there. 73, 25 and 26, I think. Get, well, I won't go there. The psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? You. You. And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is my portion forever and ever 
and ever. And so, is He your portion? Do you love Him above all? Are your desires toward Him? Is your delight in Him? In the way that we're describing through the day? Is He the head? Put it this way. Is He the gladness of your joy? Is He the gladness of your joy? A little play on words right there. I have all these joys. You have a great joy. Joy in a healthy children. Joy in new birth. Joy in this and joy in that. But is He actually the gladness of that joy? Do you know it has come from Him? That every good and perfect gift comes from Him, from the Father of light, with whom there's no variableness or shifting shadow? Is He the gladness of your joy? Thank you so much, Lord. Can you or do you repeat with the psalmist the words of Psalm 63? If you're in Psalm 73, just flip over a little bit. And let's look here what the psalmist says. Oh, I just, well. When Christ came into my life, the trees even looked different. sound of the birds is different. When Christ came into my life, I told my mother that I loved her for the first time that I knew of. That I ever knew of. He makes a difference. And there was gladness and there was joy in her. But that gladness, that that joy that she felt was the result is... Christ with the gladness of that joy. He calls that. He produced that. He, he brings it forth. From His fullness she received. From His fullness I had received. And I was giving. And here's the psalmist. He says in verse 163, Psalm, O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. How about you? Did you earnestly seek Him this morning before you got here? Earnestly pray and plead last night for the service here this morning. Earnestly pray for the Word to be clear and true. Or did you make yourself ready? Did you prepare yourself to sit at the table of the Lord with us this morning and eat and feed upon Christ? To drink His blood, to eat His flesh, to enjoy His presence. Did you desire that so much that you actually got on your knees last night and prayed for it? Sought God for it. Oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. How about You? My flesh faints for You. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And so I've looked up. I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up. In your name, I will lift up my hands. And my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. 
And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. When you're lying in the bed at night before you go to sleep, do you remember him? Do you meditate on him in the watches of the night? Why? Because you've been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But verse 5 just spoke to me so clearly. Just listen. Vicki used the word satisfying. Was it Jeremiah 31 this morning? Vicki, you had us turn to Yes. My soul will be satisfied if you lose the, look at the King James as with marrow and fat. Like you're satisfied with good, rich food. Satisfied. Jesus says among the blessed men in His Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those. Then He says, blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Who is our righteousness? Our all in all were righteousness that's concerned? Christ. Christ is not just a garment that we put on, even though we have that robe of righteousness. He is our righteousness, and we're in Him. We read it a few minutes ago. Our life was hid, is hid in Him. He's in us, both to live and to will and to do His good pleasure. He's in us. Christ, our righteousness. Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, after Christ. You will be satisfied. You will be filled. Satisfied. Like with fat and rich food. Don't we enjoy that? Just got back from Natchez, Louisiana, Mississippi. And that's what we did mostly outside of enjoying the view of the Mississippi River. We ate a lot of fat and rich food. And we were more than satisfied. <laughs> more. I mean much more. How much more so with Christ? Satisfied. So what do you say? None but Christ. None but Christ. And so as we're looking to this, and I'm going to go through this very carefully, and I'm going to do that, I mean very quickly, because you are wise people. You can study at home for yourselves. It can be your homework. You can look at these things. Because these statements that we made last week and that I've now made, that the Holy Spirit is showing us, gives us quite a bit of ground for reproof. Reproof to those who have other things which are their all in all. Reproof to those among whom Christ is nothing at all or maybe a part. Just a part of it. If any at all. Who's some of those people? The Jews. Uh oh, my touched a pet right there. No, no, no. The Jews to whom Moses is all. He was all. He still is their all. That hasn't changed. Look at the sad condition of them in John 8. John chapter 8. They're described by the Lord. <clears throat> John chapter 8. Verse 
Jesus is describing the situation, and it's very sad. He says in verse 20, you can read the whole chapter, or beginning with verse 12, but we're going to look at just a couple of verses. John chapter 8, verse 23 through 24 says this, He said to them, speaking to the Pharisees, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He who will, you will die in your sins. And unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And then verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love Me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. The Father sent me. So why do you not understand what I say? Well, it's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Why is that? You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. And as a result of that, they killed him. It's still the same. Christ is not their Messiah. And I don't get, quite frankly, this business about, he's a Messianic Jew. No, I thought the Jews were done away with. In Christ there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no barbarian. I'm glad he got born again. He was somebody else. The middle wall has been broke down. In Christ there is, that guy doesn't exist anymore. That's like I'm saying, I'm a Messianic Texan. You all going to get excited about that? I'm a Messianic African. I'm a Messianic Italian. I'm a Messianic whatever. Now, this is a guy who was dead and sinned and trespassed. He's now born again and he's in a place where there's neither Jew, nor Greek, nor Siskin, nor barbarian, nor slave, nor free. I'm a Messianic white man. No, I'm a Messianic black man. No. I'm a man who was dead in my sins and trespasses, whose father was the devil, and now I'm alive and I've been delivered from all of that. Praise God for that. So, the Jews, some of the Jews wanted to, and this is the one I'm going to spend the most time on, some of them wanted to have both Moses and Jesus. But the Holy Spirit says, no, we're not going to allow that. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I'm not doing away with the Old Testament, please. We can go there later. But he says these verses in 2 and 4. Well, let's start with verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not subject, submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, listen, pay attention. I, Paul, remember who I was? Say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. 
You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Galatians 5, 1 through 4. Not both. Just Christ. Just Christ. And those things come under His authority. And so, you've got that. You've got the Roman Catholic Church. In matters of faith, the church is all in all. Whatever they say. may not know what it is the church believes, but whatever the church says, that's what they believe. In matters of devotion, in that same group, Mary's all in all. Or St. Christopher, or St. Jude, or St. whomever. They're treasuries of indulgences that they can draw from, pray to. In matters of power and authority, St. Peter's are all in all. Now there's a slippery rock. Today he's all about following Christ. He's all about getting somebody's ear cut off, cutting somebody's ear off, and then he's all about denying Christ. No. No. The popes call themselves the successors of Peter. My friends, that's a house built on sand. It's a house built on sand. And then there was some, the light within is all in all. I've been among this crowd, pastored charismatic church for nine years. And before then I went to their schools and participated in many situations where that was the case. Light within. We sit and we wait for a word. We wait for guidance. We wait for direction. And we wait for a word. I've got a word for you from God. I've got a word. We wait for a word. And at its dictate, they say, that's what we do. That's what we do. But according to Isaiah chapter 8 verse 20, and I won't turn there, if they speak not according to God's word, if they speak not according to God's written word, there is no light in them. There is no light. I don't deny a light within, but I deny its sufficiency apart from the written word. And I know the confusion that is brought upon us when this idea is pressed on the body of Christ. I've seen it in action. And had to deal with it in a body of people. Confusion. Mass confusion. With some, their own righteousness. Their own self-righteousness is all in all. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this guy. I do this and this and this and I don't do that and that and that. I thank you I'm not like that guy. With some, carnal delights. Sensual pleasures. That's their all in all. Let them have their fill. Give them that. Fill them up with these. And they've had enough. For some, worldly wealth is enough. What a miserable choice you make. Miserable choice. Why? Well, for your homework, go home and read Proverbs 23, 4-5. For you that are writing and taking notes, Proverbs 23, 4-5, First Timothy 6, 9-10, and verse 17. And we find a very sad instance of that 
this folly, this foolishness in Luke chapter 13, verses 16 through 21. And we'll look at that. Luke, if you would, chapter 13, verses 16 through 21. Jesus is given a parable. And the man is called by Jesus a fool. And he told them a parable, verse 16, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, Well, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, Well, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build larger ones. I'll build bigger barns. And then I'll store all my grain and all my goods there. Put all my stuff in there. Back my cars, put my horses, whatever. Put all my stuff there. Have you, I lost you? Luke chapter 16, I mean 13. I'm at the right place, right? Luke 13, 16 through 21. 12, 12 I'm sorry, 12, thank y'all. My bad. Boy, I'm glad we got some Bible scholars in here. <laughs> I've got, <laughs> right there. I wrote Luke 13, right there. See? <laughs> Anyhow. Are you there now? Okay, I'm sorry. Verse 16, And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, Well, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up. For many years now. So you relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool. Fool. What's the matter with you, boy? Foolish man. This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, those, whose will they be? And so is the one who lays up treasure for himself. And this is very important. And is not rich toward God. There's not anything wrong with having a bank account. But we need to be rich toward God in this. And not say, okay, I can relax now. I'm secure now because the wind's going to blow it away. It can be gone tomorrow just that quick. And you're foolish to put your hope there. Rich toward God. With some people, a reputation is their all in all. They'll sell their souls. They'll sell Christ. They'll sell everything. They won't spend time with their wives and with their children at home where they need to be because they want the reputation. They want the monies. All that that brings. And with some in one word, it's summed up. Self is all in all. Self. The great idol, the greatest idol of this world is loving self. Pleasing self. Praising self. Philippians chapter 2, verse 21 gives us a glimpse of that. Paul's in prison. He's writing. In verse 21, he speaks of people that have abandoned him. He's 
pretty much by himself. He's getting ready to send Timothy to, uh, to, to Philippi. He says in verse 20, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Why? For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Self. Seeking their own interest and not those of Jesus Christ. And so what do we learn? We need to take warning at this reproof and learn the very first lesson in Christ's school. You know what that lesson is? The very first lesson in Christ's school? You're going to follow me? Luke 9, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And deny yourself. Deny yourself. In light of those things, I want to very quickly then exhort you. I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you to make Christ and Christ alone your all in all. Him alone. If He is so to you, that is the best evidence that you can have that God has made Him so to you. You can answer that question that I ask you. Is Christ your all in all? Quietly answer that in your conscience, in your heart, and be honest and truthful to yourself, to your conscience, to your heart. Be faithful there. Is that actually a fact? And if He is that to you, if He means more than anything else to you, if you're willing to deny it all, denounce it all, and even to the point of your worldly good so that you can follow Him, then that's the best evidence that you have that Christ is your all in all. My friends, that, you want to know what the proof of a credible profession of faith is? Following Christ. A continual following of Christ. Alistair Begg puts it this way. Continuance. Continuance. Following Christ on and on. Don't get ahead of Him. Don't get too far behind Him. (laughs) Keep Him in sight. Continuance. Continuance. If He is your all in all, if He is that to you, and you know that to be true, then that's the best evidence. It's not because you've got dunked in a certain manner or sprinkled in a certain manner or said certain words or made a trip down the altar. No. You made a profession of faith before this session. But I want to ask you, is Christ your all in all? And we have to judge that profession of faith in light of the answers that you give. But I pray that it's not an answer that's coming from an empty carcass. Just the right word you've learned by rote. Because you're a Presbyterian, you've learned it from this high up. And you should. There's nothing against that. You should. You should. But this is the question that needs to be answered. Is that truth in your innermost being? And so what do we need to do? 
You're falling away and you're not falling. You can't see Him. You got ahead of Him. Make Him so. Make Him so by warm and sincere and speedy closing with Him. Accept Him. Honor Him as your foundation, as your food, as your drink, as your root. Look there and teach these things to your children. Teach them to your children and it will be a means to increase your growth in grace and knowledge of the Lord. It will be added to you according to Matthew 25-29. Remember your vows. Remember your church vows, your membership vows. Remember your baptismal vows. Let me ask you something. Into what were you baptized? Water? No. No. What were you baptized? Was it not into Christ that you were baptized? Did you not put on Christ? Did you not put on Christ? Galatians 3.27. Just back up from Philippians that we just read. And look at what Paul is saying to the Galatians. Galatians 3.27. Look at 26. For in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3.26, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized... Where? Into Christ have put on Christ. And there is again neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. And there is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And guess what? You Jews. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. And you are heirs according to the promise. Otherwise you are not. Otherwise, you're not. A Christian and Christless? Well, a Christian and Christ nothing to you? Through the day? Doesn't make any sense, does it? How sad it is. Is this what the Mormons say about Joseph Smith? Is he nothing to them? Is this so with the Muslim? Is Muhammad nothing to them? With the Rome, is the Pope nothing to them? Nothing. Let me warn you. Listen very carefully. If Christ is not all in all with you, He will be nothing at all to you. Justification or salvation. If Christ be not all to you, you are nothing at all to God. Sounding brass tinkling symbol. Your prayer is nothing. Your repenting is nothing if Christ is not your all in all. It's in Christ. 
that we live and move and have our being. Some of you are trying to say amen, you just can't get it out. This is the gospel, friends. Let me exhort you then. Let me exhort you to walk as those who have made Christ their all. Learn Paul's lesson. What did he say? Philippians 1.21 For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. For me to live is Christ. Walk this way. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Before Paul got to what we're fixing to read in if I can find it in Colossians chapter 3, and you can turn there. We're going to be looking again at verse 17. He's used the word walk a couple of times. Let's see if I underline them. Uh, yeah, he's praying for them. In chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and understanding. Why? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him and bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And he says again in chapter 2, Colossians again in verse 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught. Just as you were taught. Continuing, my friends, abounding in thanksgiving. And so... We say in verse 17, he gets to this point of chapter 3. And whatever you do, (laughs) and whatever you do, in word or deed, all through the day, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him, whatever you do. You pray. You repent, you deny self, you give your tithes and your offerings, you suffer reproof, rebuke, persecution. You do it all in His name, all in His strength, and according to His merit. And you understand something here in closing. There is, there is a cause. There is a cause. I want to remind you that God is never late. He's never late. And He's never forgetful. Think about Joseph. He's had a dream. He tells his brothers. They throw him in a pit. Where's God? He showed up late because now they've sold me to these guys. Where's God? Well, He's late because I'm sold to the house of Potiphar. Well, I'm doing pretty good. No, there's something going on here. I'm falsely accused in Potiphar's house by his wife. Because what? He's standing for God. 
So it looks like I can get through this without, <laughs> where's the Lord here? Well, he's falsely accused and he gets put in prison. He stays there for several years. I think it was four years. And then he has the, the butler and the uh, cupbearer have a vision or they have a dream. And he explains the dream to them. And the butler gets reinstated. I think it was the butler. And what did he say? Remember me when, <laughs> when you get in the presence of Pharaoh again. But guess what? The butler forgot him. He forgot him. Wine, wine, uh, cupbearer that forgot him. The cupbearer forgot him until Pharaoh has a dream. But I want to tell you, God is never late, and God is not like the cupbearer. He's not forgetful. He knows what's going on. There's a purpose for everything that was going on in the life of Joseph at that time. God had decreed it to Abraham hundreds of years before. And so the famine came, and his brothers and his dad, 72 people come down, and they become citizens in Egypt. And a nation is born to several million. And God did this at the end of the chapter, we find out, when Joseph tells his brothers, I know that everything that went on in my life, you and the devil and all flesh, including my own, intended it for evil, but God meant it to save Many people alive. God is not ever late. There is a purpose. And God is not forgetful. He just doesn't do things on our timetable. In His time, He makes all things beautiful. He does. Especially for us. Especially for us. And so, there is a cause. And you're okay, regardless the circumstance, if Christ is your all in all. He, it'll be okay. You'll be like Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 3, you can probably quote it. <clears throat> Habakkuk 3, things are going terribly wrong. At the end of the day, he says this, Though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there be no fruit upon the vine, though the olive tree shall cast its fruit, and the field shall yield no grain to grind, and though the flocks shall all be scattered, and though there be no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Why? Because God is His all in all. God is His portion. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread in the high places. Seeing that, the psalmist said to the choir master with stringed instruments, Sing that. You people, sing that. Rejoice in that. Memorize that. Don Francisco may even help you with that a little bit. I want to encourage you with this. I know it's strong. Sometimes it has to be. It has to be said. Because we get so many things that get us off course. But there's a straight and narrow way that God 
has said, this is the way. Walk you in it. It's not crooked. It's not doing this. It's doing this. And we're in it. It's a straight way. A narrow door. I had a guy tell me, and I'll close with this just the other day. He walked up to me in the nursing home. He said, oh, you're a preacher? I said, yeah. I preach every chance I get. <laughs> we'll start here if you want to. And we did. And it amounted to, well, I'm the member of this, and this guy's a member of that. And it doesn't matter where you go. Church is church. I said, no, it's not. It's not. What do you say to folks? Well, think, well, we need to be nice because we want everybody to like us. So we dull our swords a little bit. The weapons of our warfare actually become rusty because we quit using them because a sword may cut somebody, may offend somebody. But I was listening to Alistair again the other night. Uh, and he used an example of this, and I didn't get this from him, but in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas were preaching, I think, or maybe it was Silas. <laughs> and you notice, you read the book of Acts, and you see what they preached. They preached what I'm preaching to you right now. This is what they preached. Say, well, I'd like for you to preach about theonomy. They didn't preach about theonomy. Or Christian nationalism. They didn't preach about Christian nationalism. They preached Christ. And we're determined to preach nothing else. People come to us and we say, well, you know, we, we just kind of be soft and easy with them. Take care. Be sure we don't offend anybody. And we don't want to offend anybody. We want to tell them the truth. Oh, you're okay. You just I want you to listen to what Paul did. I want you to listen to what he said. Because I'm talking about a straight way. And there's lots of people that are in sheep clothing. And the reason they have to put sheep clothing on is because they're not actually sheep. They're wolves. And they're trying to look like a sheep. But you know them by their fruit. Matthew 7. You know them by their fruit. And so, Barnabas and Saul at Cyprus, they've been preaching, been sent by the Holy Spirit. And uh, when they, verse 6, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Pathos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Well, he may be okay. He got a good name, right? I mean, he got a name over his church. He's okay. Bar Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, intelligent guy. He wants to hear from Paul, who had summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, Elimus, the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But listen the way Paul approached him. But Saul who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, he looked intently at him and he said, you're not going to like this. You son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness. Full of all deceit and villainy. 
Will you stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? There's a sermon right there. Stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord. Will you stop doing that? No, you won't. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And he went a mist on his eyes. Made crooked the ways of the Lord. A lot of people are doing that today. So there's many ways to the Lord. I've just happened to choose Jesus. I just quoted John, uh, Joel Osteen. Oh, there's many ways to the Lord. But I just happened to choose Jesus. He made the straight way crooked. You've got to watch for it, friends. And I close with that. May God have grace and mercy upon us as we pray.